Welcome to Solo 2.0, an empowerment podcast hosted by two sisters living in LA, making their way through the health and wellness world. I'm Ryan Birch. And I'm Jess Dukan. Each week, we're committed to bringing you conversations with risk-taking, resilient guests from diverse backgrounds, interviews with experts on controversial or misunderstood topics that will expand your perspective, and lively roundtable discussions with our mom, hormone health educator, Candace Birch. We're driven to provide the support and motivation needed to ignite growth, confidence, and purpose so you can step into that 2.0 version of you. We can't wait to dig into these conversations and hope you'll join us every week for a new episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast. I'm Ryan, co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. And I'm Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Bliss by Jess. As we move into the third and final interview of our nutrition series, we hope that you've enjoyed these conversations and picked up a few golden nuggets along the way that you can either apply in your own life or share with a loved one who you feel like could really use it or, or might resonate with it. And like we said before, we didn't actually plan this series to be in alignment with everything going on with the coronavirus, but it ended up being a great compliment because as we know, prioritizing our health and immune function is really, really important in keeping our bodies primed and ready to fight back should we contract the virus. Hopefully not. And now more than ever, eating whole foods, real foods, and supplementing wisely, as all three of our experts have recommended, is truly key. So we definitely could not end the series without touching on one of the hottest diets out there right now, which is the keto diet. And because we know that there are a lot of faux experts and misinformation out there, we we're really excited to bring on Dr. Jockers, who is a doctor of natural medicine, functional nutritionist, functional nutritionist, sorry, and corrective care chiropractor. He currently owns and operates Exodus Health Center in Kennesaw, Georgia, and runs one of the most popular natural health websites, drjockers.com, which has gotten over 1 million monthly visitors, and his work has been seen on popular media such as The Dr. Oz Show and Hallmark Homan Family. Dr. Jockers is also the author of the best-selling book, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, and is a world-renowned expert in the areas of ketosis, fasting, and the ketogenic diet. He lives in Canton, Georgia with his wife, Angel, and his twin boys, David and Joshua, and his daughter, Joyful, who are all so precious. In this episode, we discuss how Dr. Jockers got into the field of natural medicine and why his work with clients is different than most primary care physicians and more focused on getting to the root of issues and finding natural ways to bring the body back into homeostasis. Homeostasis. His own st- he talks about his own health struggle with IBS and inflammation and how intermittent fasting and a low-carb diet helped him get his health and his life back what the high-fat, low-carb, ketogenic approach is all about and how to transition into ketosis safely and effectively the first time, the long list of health benefits of the ketogenic diet and what a day in the life eating this way looks like, including Dr. Jocker's favorite family-friendly meals and go-to brands. He discusses why eating quickly and on the go is problematic for your digestive health and what that can lead to, Dr. Jocker's top tips for getting deep restorative sleep, the top three supplements he recommends, everyone taken why, and finally, what he's really excited about in his business and in life right now. Yeah, one of the things that I really appreciated about Dr. Jockers is just his dedication to taking these really super complex issues like ketosis and breaking them down into digestible bits via his explanations, but also his website where he has really great graphics to help people learn more visually. And as a visual learner myself, I really, really resonate with that. 
And then as I mentioned in the episode, I'm not following the keto diet, but I have noticed pretty big improvements in my brain function and just overall energy levels when I'm eating a higher fat diet or just incorporating higher fat foods like avocados and coconut and olive oil. So even if you just walk away with a few new recipe ideas and a deeper understanding of the benefits of eating healthy fats and the role that they play in our lives, that alone is major, but you make it even more than that. And we're sure you will. Yeah. And I just loved how knowledgeable and confident he was. Obviously he's an expert that came through loud and clear. It was kind of nice. We barely had to ask any questions because he like answered everything we wanted and more uh, before we even had to ask the next question. So that was awesome. And before we jump into the full conversation though, we wanted to kind of touch on how we're doing right now with the coronavirus, kind of the state of the world. This actual interview with Dr. Jockers was recorded long before all of this has happened. So uh, if you hear us refer to anything in the episode that is kind of like outdated because that's because we recorded it before any of this happened. So yeah, we we talk about our mom coming home from England the next day or something like that. And rest assured, she has been home for a a month now. Quarantine. Like two months. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies, but But, it's so crazy to even listen back now on some of our interviews and just like how we were all moving about life and just like not even thinking about how idea what was to come, how grateful we should be for just even going to lunch, you know, or talking about taking a trip or anything we've talked about over these last couple months in interviews. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's insane how all of our lives have shifted so much. And we did have that recent episode that staying positive in a pandemic, which was now three weeks ago that we recorded that. So it's just the beginning before there were even like self quarantining orders out. It was sort of just being uh, encouraged, but it wasn't like legally enforced yet. So now we're fully in it, um, you know, and it's a daily up and down adjustment process, I think for everybody. And it's been really interesting to see how people respond to it. And, you know, on the spectrum from people fully losing their job and, and to people that are lucky to still have a job and just work from home or whatever, like we process our emotions so differently. And so, yeah, I guess we just wanted to share how we each are processing right now and what's been good and what's not been so good and maybe some lessons we've taken away. So Jess, if you wanted to start. Yeah. I mean, every day I feel like is different for all of us. Like we read the news and, and something changes and it affects our mindset and our mood or just maybe one day we feel really on a high, you know, and the next day we feel super low. And I think it's really normal because it's really one of the first times I think as a nation, we are having to live in the present moment more so than any other time because we can't plan for the future. We can't imagine what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead. We can predict and we can look at the news and and we can all talk about, because I feel like that's what everyone's doing is like, well, when do you think we're going to be out of this? Like, oh, I think it's going to be May. It could be June. It could be next year. But, you know, Josh and I were talking about on a walk, how crazy is it that this is truly the first time in any of our lives where we're not able to plan anything. You know, you used to look at the calendar and be like, oh, let's go on the staycation this weekend or let's get together with friends for their birthday on this weekend. Or now it's just virtual hangouts. Yeah. And you can plan and that kind of calls. thing, but you literally can't put anything on the calendar because you don't, we have no idea yeah. when we're going to be out of this or when it's going to be safe. So I think it is forcing us all to just be more in the moment And that can be very challenging, especially if you're in the moment is depressing and anxiety ridden. 
um, because you are somebody who is out of a job or because you are somebody who knows or knows someone close to you who has coronavirus or maybe you have it yourself or... Or you just don't like being home and yeah. or you don't have a positive or healthy home environment. I mean, it is such the luck of the draw to be in a family or with somebody that you really like being with because this is like no one is ever forced to spend this much time with somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've definitely seen articles too about, you know, where to turn if you're home with somebody who is an abuser. And that's not even something that, you know, most of us are thinking about or, you know, I have clients who are alone and, you know, are kind of reflecting on their lives. Like, oh, you know, I wish I, I had somebody at this point or, you know, scrolling social media and seeing everybody that gets to hang out with their family or that gets to be with their significant other and, and, you know, feeling like just feeling alone. And, you know, I feel fortunate that I am with my husband and my dog and very grateful for that because I know it's not easy as someone who is quarantined by yourself. I do think that all of these virtual meetups and these ways that we're all getting creative and connecting online is really cool because it's making you feel like you aren't so alone um, that's one of the things I would say that I'm really enjoying is hosting these weekly virtual happy hours. And yeah, it, it was something I wasn't sure that I would do cause I've done virtual group coaching in the past. I'm actually really comfortable with it. I did it for I think four months of virtual coaching, um, for a group of about 20 women. And so I just decided, you know what, now more than ever is a great time to bring people together and talk about what's been challenging you know, what positive lessons they've learned and, um, you know, help them in continuing to go after their goals, but to do it in a more realistic way and to create or find that new normal because it's not going to be normal for, for quite some time probably, but how do you create that new normal? And so um, celebrate the small wins in every day, yeah. and, uh, you know, have gratitude for the simplest things that we kind of took for granted. Mm-hmm. I was on Jess's call, uh, last week, I missed your first week, but it was really valuable to hear everybody go around and share what they're struggling with. But then also even people in like the toughest situations are coming up with something that they've learned or something that is helping them move forward, which is helping everyone else in the group. Yeah. So yeah, it's super valuable that you're providing that. And and I'm so happy. It's funny too. I feel like I've like overbooked myself already on uh, even just like virtual calls. I'm like, damn it. I, now it's too much. I know I, that was actually going to be one of my things too, is like, I mean, I, I do look forward every Wednesday to that. For those of you who are interested, actually, I'm going to be doing these virtual happy hours every Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific time. I might switch up the day, but for now it seems to be working it's a great and it's donation it. based. So it's just the link in my bio and I was doing $10, but then I realized there are people who are out of jobs and I wanted it to be accessible um, for anybody and just donate what you can because if you need that support or that community, which I feel like we we all can benefit from right now, I want you to be there. Yeah. Um. And so, but yeah, that was kind of the thing that I was going to say has been a challenge is like not over committing now to all the virtual things and the calls that maybe you wouldn't have even done before or like you're talking, it's so cool because you're connecting with friends that don't live near you anyway, that live in other States or maybe across the country and you're actually talking to them more now than you would in the past, Yeah, which is I think a huge benefit. It's really great. But then because of that, you're maybe looking at your calendar and you have something every single night. Well, we actually just posted on our uh, solo Instagram, some ways that we love staying connected with people. And we, we talked about that, like, because it is, 
it, it can be a double-edged sword in that I, this is how I am in my regular life where I just kind of overcommit or at least it's been something I've been working on. So it's funny to see now that there are no plans. I still am like, oh, damn it. I said I would do that call on the same night. You know, it's like, okay, how am I still doing this? But mm-hmm. I find what you offer to be a commitment to yourself. It's a, it's almost like a workshop, a class, it's personal development. Yeah. And then I think the calls with friends, family, all of that are so, so, so valuable. But again, yeah, not not doing too many so that then you're kind of wiped out on that. And so in that post, uh, one of the things I said that I've been loving is Marco Polo, which is an app where you can um, leave like videos and texts or I guess it's, it's mostly videos to friends and family, but you're doing it on your own time. So it's like these little selfie videos and then you know, I have a, I have several groups right now that I'm in. And so every time I check it, I have a new message from somebody and it's just a quick, easy way to check in with people without having to like all coordinate your schedules, all be on FaceTime at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a little awkward depending on like bigger groups. Sometimes it's hard to lead the conversation. Um, but you know, there's just a lot of different things, ways to stay connected with people. And I've loved just starting new group texts with friends, people that to your point, people haven't I wouldn't have checked in with without this happening. Yeah. And it's re, uh, you know, bringing back friendships and, and that's exciting. Exactly. I'm loving that part of it. And even just sending like a voice text. I think we said that too. Yeah. Voice texts are great. Yeah. Because I think that it's more personal and it's also easier than writing out a long text message. Sometimes I feel like text messages, you write it when you're distracted and it doesn't really come across exactly how you want it to. Um, so I think the voice text is just, it's a bit better. Yeah. Um, in there's my opinion. So, there's so many things you can do, but I am loving that I've just, I feel so full with my friendships right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, even though there is distance, it's, we're connecting in new ways and we talked about it in our posts too. But, you know, if you are in a group thread with friends or if you're on Marco Polo with friends, use it as an opportunity to share recipes or books or shows. I mean, I'm sure most people are, a lot of people are doing that anyway, but you sometimes you just have to think to ask. I and need then to you try get a bunch Marco of new Polo. ideas. Yeah, it's me fun. The other night, and it looked really cute. Yeah, but cute's what would, not the right word. It looked really. <laughs> it looks like a great way to connect in a different way than just a group text. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then too, it's been fun because we did last Thursday. It was my husband's birthday, and so I planned a surprise party for him on Zoom, and so I got like fifteen or twenty actually about, yeah, 20 of his closest friends from all different stages of life um, to come on Zoom. And I prepped these little appetizers for him and pretended like I was making us like a little date night and then called him into the room and unmuted everyone and everyone sang to him. And we all went around and shared like advice for your mid thirties. And he just loved it. And I think it was, it was really great for him to hear because, you know, one of the negatives is that he's been out of work. Um, So I think being in that being in that phase where you one day have like five jobs and the next day you have nothing and five jobs because he has, he's an entrepreneur that has various like consulting gigs. So yeah. Yeah. But all in the same industry that got wiped out. So it was very, very hard, but he's becoming innovative and it was so cool to be on that and seeing what he can do virtually. And it was great to be on that call and hear everyone saying the same things like, you are so talented, believe in yourself, like keep going. And, and, and I know you said that helped him so much. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes if you are feeling in that place, maybe what you do need is to kind of let people know how you're feeling and, and seek out that reassurement too, from friends and family, because, 
Um, you can't always see what other people see in you. And that's exactly what he was saying afterwards. He's like, that just felt so good because sometimes I get in my head and I don't realize that other people perceive me in that way and that they think that I'm innovative and they think that I'm good at what I do and they think that I'm funny and all these things. And it's like, oh, well, it's so obvious to all of us that that's who you are. But, but in this time where you just feel like, you know, I had everything and now I have, I have nothing and, and not literally that extreme, but that's kind of how it can feel when you go yeah. from one day being so busy and having all of these opportunities on your plate to the next day, just feeling completely helpless and there's so nothing you can do. Yeah. And so much uncertainty. And so, um, yeah, I think just that to your point, Rye, um, and if it's not, and if it's not that, like maybe you don't feel comfortable asking people the idea of like even being, having some social communities, like almost 30 has a great Facebook group where people share their pain points and kind of ask for advice for people. And people are so giving with their advice and they spend a long time on leaving comments and like helping people. So if you don't feel like you have a strong support system or people you can go to, if you're feeling super, super low about yourself, maybe start engaging in online communities too. Yeah. That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah. And I think like we'll do with some friends. I, we did a little virtual catch up, Brian and I, and I just kind of started it by saying, why don't we go around and say like the rose and thorn of our week? Like what's been, what's been tough, the thorn. And then the rose is like something beautiful that's happened or something that you're proud of yourself for. And I think if you kind of initiate with something like that, that'll naturally, um, give people that place to kind of share what's hard. And then for the other people to kind of give them some advice or some, um, positive feedback, you know, yeah. as well. So, yeah. And you could do that in a FaceTime or Skype or a Marco Polo or a group text. Like everyone can share good mm-hmm. week, bad week kind of a thing, you know, yeah, and exactly. it's easy to do and, and pull each other up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But and I, the last thing I will say on that is his virtual cocktail classes that he created have been, just came as an idea as kind of brainstorming things that he could do in the interim. Um, while this is so uncertain and they've been really popular. I mean, every day he'll get emails for like seven to 10 people that want to take his classes and it's people he doesn't know from like all parts of the country. He's had like corporate companies reach out to him, interested in groups of 20 plus a lot of friends. So he's really feeling, um, motivated again and like he has purpose and he's up every day and working on stuff and just getting really creative with, you know, brands he can pitch and people he can reach out to. So if you are out of work too, that's another thing is like just getting resourceful and reaching out and asking for help because it's okay, you know, to not be okay. And it's okay to ask for help. And, and I think too, if you know somebody who's struggling, like, is there any way that you could support them? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you are in a position to be able to do that, you know, by giving them a little extra work, um, you know, if you're a small business, um, I don't know. I think that there's ways that we can be a support system, um, not just monetarily, but but um, maybe putting together like a, a gift bag or yeah, um, well, especially like a care package for those people in your life that are on the front lines. And you know, if it's they work in a grocery store, if they're in healthcare, or if they are you know delivery drivers or working in the food industry, whatever it is, like. Oh, even, you know, I have many good friends in the event industry because that's the industry I was in and, and you were in as well. And uh, the, everything they had on the books is canceled. Yeah. They don't get paid for that. And so, you know, they were really thanking people that have reached out to them. And so you have to, I, I think it's good to remember like who in my life is struggling the most and giving them that extra support is really important. Yeah. Um, and like we sent our friends who are nurses a gift card to Postmates because we know that they're coming home just exhausted every night. Working like opposite shifts yeah. too, which is... 
Ugh, can't yeah. believe how hard they're working. But I yeah. Know. And just shout out to them, Monica and Irvin. If you're listening, they're our best friends and they are going into battle when everybody else is staying home. And like they truly are heroes and we're really just so proud and grateful for them. And everyone. And everyone. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. Everyone on the front lines. But sure. I think like something you were saying too about pushing forward, I think you and I are on the same page about like using this time to see, okay, if you're out of work or I mean, our business is way slower than it ever is because people aren't actively purchasing, even though we're still open. Um, so, but I'm still, I have a lot to do because I'm building this business and there's endless things to improve upon internally. But I think, um, you know, I think probably it's hard for people that are completely out of a job that are feeling like they should be finding a new job or they should be really productive with this time. And I think this has become kind of a debate of this period of time. It's like you see a lot of quotes and things about like being productive or maintaining your goals. And then on the other spectrum, you're seeing a lot of quotes about, uh, it's okay to not be okay, which is so, so, so true. But then also you're seeing posts about like, if you do nothing during this time, that's okay. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, where do we fall? You know, and I felt kind of in our pandemic episode, I was talking about like, we, we honestly can't, we can't focus on the things we can't control. We can't control the spread of this at this point on our own, but we can focus on what we can control, how we spend our our hours, how we spend our day. And I kind of overthought that later. I'm like, oh, is that, are people going to take that as like pressure, you know, because that's not it at all. Like my main thing is really, if you really don't feel like doing anything at all, that's completely fine. And it's okay if you're feeling down, but like, I also don't think that it helps to do absolutely nothing for days on end and right. neglect all of your goals and neglect the, the small joys or pleasures or, um, you know, actions in your day that make you, that build the confidence. And I think most people who have been in an anxious, depressed place will find or know that really doing nothing at all is kind of the, the, the last thing to do in terms of feeling better. Uh, for prolonged periods of time, you know? So it's maybe shifting our mindset, at least where I stand, it's like maybe shifting our mindset to like focusing on mini goals in every day. And that could be making your bed. And that could Mm -hmm. be, you know, staying up with the dishes. But at the end of the day, I do believe that if like your health and nutrition is important to you, if your finances are important to you, whatever you value in your life, I don't think necessarily for the three months we might be in this, it's the best to just like let it all go because then you're going to come out of this with, you know, a mountain to climb Mm -hmm. instead of seeing how every day you can find room or make room for the things that light you up, you know, small things. It doesn't have to be, if it's, if it's adding pressure, if it's making you stress, then not a good idea, but what are the little things you can do to keep building yourself up? Well, cause it can also make this much, this time so much harder if you aren't progressing, you know, it's like, I will be happy or I will, you know, focus on my health or I'll find the guy or whatever it is when I'm out of this. So then you're also always looking to the future to bring you what you don't have now. Mm. And you're like, right now is just whatever. Like, it's just a period of time that I need to get through and it'll be over soon. And and I'm just going to like drink more than I normally would. And I'm going to sleep in and I'm going to do all these things because screw it. But at the same time, it's like we don't know how long we're going to be in this. And it is appearing that it's going to be longer than any of us initially anticipated. And so how do you bring joy to your life now and make it so that being home with your kids who are there maybe full time and you're not used to that or, you know, working from home that might be a bit of a challenge to you 
or having to get creative with your workouts or, you know, needing to cook more meals from home, that it's not all burden. Yeah. That it's something that, you know, you might in some way look forward to or that might give you purpose or that might make you feel, um, you know, lifted. Your spirits might lift a little bit just knowing that you have um, these little goals, like you said. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to, it does not have to be major. Yeah. But there are ways to make this time um, more enjoyable. Yeah. And to come out of it feeling still motivated. The way I think about it too is like, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to give up on yourself. Yeah. And that means why would you deprive yourself of any opportunity for joy or happiness? Even if you're in the most desperate place, there is always something will make you that can make you feel better you have to figure out what that is that could be a comedy that could be a walk around the block could be um you know painting if that's what you used to do digging back into those passions but 100 percent, there is something that you can do Mm -hmm. and so I think some of these comments about like it's okay to do nothing yeah that's true but like don't use that as an excuse to spend this entire three months making yourself feel lower than you would need to if you just focused on small little wins in your day. And you can still, I mean, even more now, prioritize yourself. If you do have more time to spend at home, um, you know, take that extra time that you wouldn't be spending driving 30 minutes or an hour to work or that you wouldn't be spending commuting to a gym after work or that you wouldn't be spending um, in a meeting, whatever it is, you know, most of us have a little extra time and with huge respect to the parents out there who feel like they have less Don't time. Have, yeah. There's, yeah, um, because so that's really, really challenging, but there's still ways to create boundaries. And I think one of those that I did share on a virtual call for parents is like asking your partner, you know, having a conversation with your partner about having solo nights for each other. So like, Hey, we have the kids both here, maybe they're toddlers, Like, why don't we choose two nights a week each where, you know, you take the kids for three hours at night and then I'll take the kids for three hours at night and that's like daddy's night. And then the other three hours is mommy's night. And like you get to do whatever you want on those nights, whether it's taking a bath or reading a book or, you know, just breathing or getting in a workout, whatever it is, that's your time. And maybe on those nights that are your solo nights, you make sure that the meal for the kids is something that's already pre-prepared or easy so that the parent's not also having to cook dinner. Yeah. Um, but I think that's been something that I've been recommending to quite a few of my clients who have kids. And that seems to be very helpful because both of the parents want that. They both need their own time. Yeah. And I would say too, from the perspective of being in a relationship, it can become really mundane. It can become, um, too much to be with the other person. So, you know, finding ways to mix it up. And Thomas and I have been doing really fun themed nights. Like we had a Greek night where I put up, we got uh, takeout from my favorite place, Crimson. And we've been eating at the table, which is funny because normally we kind of sit around the couch. And so we've been setting the table every single night and making a commitment, even though we're still with each other every single day, we're like, this is bright. This, it just, it's necessary. It's like, it's an event that we're sitting at the table. And you know, growing up, we always ate dinner on the table every single night. I know. So it's funny that I've gotten away from that. It's like, we don't even need to talk that much. Like if you've run out of things to say, like, I, I feel like there's, you know, often things to talk about, especially if you not reading the news, you don't have to be reading the news, but there's still things that you can share with each other. You've learned or you've read or you've done or you're thinking about doing, or you're pondering for a 
you know, create a project or whatever. Or just even asking each other like hypothetical what if questions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's great. But you could also like blast some, like one night we just blasted some like fun, almost like party dance music. And it was like, just kind of like a fun (laughs) dinner, which we've never done. So we had a Greek night with Greek music. Then we like, we like sat on the couch and closed our eyes and I felt like I was in Greece and it was crazy. I was like remembering I want to do that being there and you could even watch a show, you know, that takes place in Greece, you know, take it all the way. If you want, you could even dress like you're going to Greece, like put on a boat outfit. But like, so we did a Greek night and then we did an Italian night with Italian music. Then we've done like, um, French night. And so it's just fun. And we have such limited things to look forward to right now that, you know, when we talk about giving ourselves grace, that's also super important. Like, I am definitely giving, allowing myself to sleep in so much more. I'm allowing myself to not get as much done as I normally would or put less on my to-do list and just not be as bummed if I'm not getting as much done. You know, Mm -hmm. I am just allowing myself some more breaks in the day. I'm doing like an earlier, uh, workout. And so I don't know, it's like whatever giving yourself grace looks like for you, feeling wherever there is like a little anxiety or stress popping up from something like, okay, cool. Pump the brakes, take some time, take a walk, you know, whatever it needs to be. Yeah. I completely agree. And I've been doing that too. Just like today is a perfect example. It was raining. It was that cold sort of like sick day feeling day. And I was like, screw it. I'm sleeping in, which, you know, I just slept in and, and woke up at like eight 30, which normally I'm up at six 45 and cuddled press for a while and just took my time and then didn't do my workout until nine, nine or something like that. And, and that's, that's abnormal for me, but it felt good. And, and that's giving yourself grace. And, and also, you know, like I've been taking long walks every day and tracking my steps and I never tracked my steps before. And so that's like a really cool new habit to get into. And it's kind of like that fun competition with myself. Like, Ooh, I got 10 K yesterday. Can I get 12 K today? You know? Yeah. And it's such a great way to get out. I would just highly suggest for anybody just getting outside yes. because that fresh air, it makes you feel alive and you see other people. And even if they're six feet away, it's like there is humanity out there and it's, you know, yes, we maybe shouldn't be like engaging in long conversations with people, but you can smile at somebody yes, and you can, you can say, say, how hi. are you? Good morning. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of glares out there and a lot of like, wow. I know it's like, been interesting. People are really weird to each other on the yeah. street. I've noticed so much awkwardness. Yeah. I keep, I try to smile at everybody. I mean, uh, I, yeah, we I always do that. Like, it's morning, fine. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've had people like snarl at me when I'm like, apparently too close to them, which I don't mean to be, but it's like, we, we are sharing a sidewalk. So I'm trying, <laughs> trying to walk to the very side. I had someone that was like, can you please go around the tree? And I was like, yes. Okay. Sorry. You know, you could do, but yeah. hi, uh, Hello. good morning. But, um, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to maybe engage in conversation because you don't want that person to come close or, or whatever it is. But I think we can all still be kind to each other because we yes. all, are, all are in this together. And that's the only way that we're going to get through it is being a community and supporting each other. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And last thing I just wanted to say, too, about like giving yourself grace. It's also like knowing that we have, you know, limited activities at this point. I'm loving having a little bit of having bigger dinners or like more, you know, treat meals and things yeah. like that. Like at the same time, as I say, you don't want to like give up on all of your goals just because we're in this period of time. Also, it's like I am like well aware that the main thing I look forward to now are my meals. And so, (laughs) you know, all of last week, Thomas and I had like truffle pasta every single night. It was like the best thing. Mm -hmm. Also, 
I don't know why I don't do that more often, but you know, it's like, I'm still, I'm balancing it out by doing some workouts, not nearly the same way that I used to in my day to day life, but it, I needed to, I need to give myself some more, some more of that yeah, to, to I, fully enjoy this time. And I'm having so maybe wine occasionally on a Thursday when I never usually drink during the week or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, I can, you know, it's Th- Thomas isn't as busy with work. He's had uh, happy hour calls with his uh, entire team where everyone has a glass of wine and then he'll ha- want me to join him afterwards. And normally I'd be like, it's a Thursday, you know, or whatever, but okay, sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Going yeah. with the flow more. I was going to say, I think that can also be healthy in some ways because it teaches you to be a little bit more spontaneous, to not be so rigid all the time. Yes. And like for me, I've been doing that too. Like on a Wednesday with my happy hours, like having a glass of wine or, um, same thing as you said, Josh and I will order fancy takeout and that's exciting because we're cooking, I don't know about you guys, but a million meals from home and there's always so many dishes and pretty much everything is cooked from home, which if you're already someone who eats out a lot, just by cooking from home, you're probably eating way healthier yeah. and cause you actually know it's going into your food. So then once you do have, you know, order a pizza or get pasta or whatever it is from takeout, it feels so much more special and we've also been plating it on like our fancy plateware and the napkins we never use. And like Josh has been making us immune boosting cocktail mixes with like carrot and ginger and just like he's getting really creative and I'm juicing more and making like homemade almond milk, which I never was doing before because I'm like, this takes so much time and realizing it doesn't really. And maybe that's a habit that I'm forming now that I will carry on later. So um, well, yeah, and I just think to just plug too, I don't cook at all. So if anyone's feeling bad because they're not making their own nut milk, I am so jealous, Jess, that you do that kind of thing. But I just, I'm not, I'm not, I just know myself. I'm seeing everyone's recipes. I'm seeing all of it. And I just, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm not, it's not saying that it's like something everyone has to do. I'm no, 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 no. It's what you love. But I'm saying it's funny because during this period of time, you can see what people do and you're like, oh, I should make my own bread or I should, you know, be baking yeah. this or that. And like, I want to, but then this is an e- another example of giving yourself grace. It's like, ah, it's, I don't need. Oh, to. make no mistake. Like that like, is, if it's as, your thing, that's you should as crazy as I'm getting. Like yeah. I'm not <laughs> pulling out recipes and making recipes. Like my meals are like just flavors that I know go well together, slap yeah. together in a bowl. Like you're I'm so not, good at it not really making recipes, but I am cooking. We're mostly all cooking more at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I think that's been helpful for me is just being more spontaneous. Um, I am doing a seven day cleanse this week just because I wanted to do something because it's, it's also a good time to try those kinds of things too, yeah. right? Like we're all trying to boost our immune systems, keep our army of defense is strong. Yeah. And this particular cleanse is like a lot of juicing and a lot of things like I would never do ordinarily because I wouldn't want to take the time. Um, but now I kind of have it, so yeah. I may as well try it. Yeah. Um, to, to, to wrap up, what would you say is like your biggest challenge and goal right now? Um, I think the biggest challenge just this whole time has been, Josh not having his consistent work schedule and feeling sort of like, you know, lost as far as 
what to do in order to bring in the same money as he was bringing in before and to progress towards his goals. Um, and then just, you know, as a result, taking on more of the expenses myself and just needing to be more mindful of what I'm spending my, my money on, because I will say finances are not my, my strongest point. I'm getting more in check with it, especially thanks to people like Danitha Doe, who is one of our podcast guests, she's coming on again. Um, and just different tools I've been learning during this time. So I think it's actually almost been part of that has been helpful for me because I'm having to get better with finances mm -hmm. and, and learn more about that. And then, um, so, but yeah, that's definitely been a challenge because for obvious reasons. And what was your other question? Well, your biggest goal. Um, but yeah, I would say out of, to wrap that up out of that has, like I said, come the innovation from Josh and, and seeing, um, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that, that we will get through this and that we're working as a team. Yeah. And if we can maintain, be strong and talk through the little tiffs that we have and the frustrations that we have, cause I've definitely had a few of those. Like if we can continue to keep that open communication and be like, Hey, you said this or you did this and it made me feel this way. Like how can we work through this together? Um, you know, that's just really helpful. So yeah, that, and like then hitting new levels in your relationship that you wouldn't have had to experience before any of this. Mm -hmm. Yep. A new test. And then my biggest goal, I don't think I have one big goal. I think it's just to continue to stay on this trajectory of like using my platform and my, my work as a coach to bring women together in community and to support each other and to hold each other up and to understand that we all are going through this in very different ways and experiencing it in very different ways. And so, you know, it's like not everything I'm going to say is going to resonate or hit home with every single person because we are living this in this strange time, um, so differently and just being respectful of that, but knowing that we are all in some way, being affected and impacted and we are all in this together. And that's my biggest goal is just to continue to bring these communities together. And I love doing it in person with events and retreats and all of that. But like now is, there's a real opportunity to do it online. So. Yeah. And you're really, really good at it. And I'm not just saying that if, if you oh, guys had a chance you. to take her, sign up for her Wednesday happy hours, it's, it's very valuable, as I said, and you're natural and Thanks, you're so helpful. It's, it's, it's really a great community. You're, you, 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 you've been creating over these last few years and starting really fun. And it was so fun to have you there too. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, this is getting long per usual. So, <laughs> um, I will just wrap up quickly that, um, I think my biggest challenges, as I say, I'm enjoying having more sort of decadent meals and things that I look forward to at the same time. I've been kind of ending every night with like multiple dessert snacks, which is so unnecessary <laughs> because I have got issues and I'm letting things creep back in that are, having me going to bed bloated and feeling just kind of guilty. And so although I think it's really good to like enjoy what you're eating and, and kind of like ha be able to look forward to these things, definitely don't, doesn't feel good to feel like shit, you know, going to yeah. bed and every morning when you wake up. So I got to work on that. I've also been chewing way too much gum because like I'm always thinking about food. That <laughs> always hurts my stomach too. Yeah. It's not good. And it's just being in this kind of like, I think it is hard when you're stuck at home. It's like, what else is there to do? You could snack literally all day long. So I think the snacking is just something I want to keep an eye on for myself and so that I keep my gut feeling good. And then, um, fitness wise, I was feeling really overwhelmed in the beginning by like all the people online doing workout classes day 
day one of quarantine and like I was so jealous, you know, not mad in any way, but like, oh my God, I can't get myself to do that. And then I did a couple and I realized I don't really know if it's my thing. I think that I've, I'm just really happy that I figured out that like creating my own circuits and doing just a run maybe one or two times a week is, is all I need. Um, cause I, my style of working out before was being in the gym and doing my own workouts then, you yeah. know, so trying to keep it as close to my normal routine, but being in the house is, is making me feel really excited. Like, Oh, I can sweat and create my own circuits. You know, they're challenging. Plus Thomas is, you know, s- such a fitness person that I've wrestled with like he just doesn't have a lot of work right now. So it's like all he really has to do is like work out and play FIFA. And I'm sitting there like with a lot of work, but also feeling guilty if I, if I can't fit it, my, my workout in. So I think my biggest goal is just to continue on with this little routine that I've created and, and not allow myself to, to think about what he's thinking about me because it doesn't matter. It's like, and I, I don't think he is thinking about me at all. It's just, I kind of act sometimes like it's a competition. Like I got to keep up with them and I got to do what's, what's best for me. Do what feels good for you. Yeah. That's a great message because there is so much content out there right now. And I think that's one of the ways actually that you can support, you know, some of the fitness trainers and people who are out of work is by, you know, joining a zoom workout class and, and paying their donation or if they're charging for it or just taking their lives, you know, and supporting their businesses that way. And I actually really do like that. Yeah. But if it's not your thing, it's like, that is another thing that you're going to feel overwhelmed by or like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And you really want to put the blinders on and still focus on what works for you. Yeah. Um, because there is so, so much out there. Well, I never really took classes before. So why? Yeah. Like, so it just, it was out of alignment for what I'm used to and what really I love. But I think a lot of people take classes and it's a great way to stay with your community, to feel motivated. Um, but I think because I've got my own little mini trainer in the house, I kind of, oh, I'm just yeah. like, you're lucky. Uh, it's fine. I will just, when we do our workouts together and stuff sometimes. So, um, yeah, I think just keep trying to move forward. And, and yesterday I wrote down all my mini goals and different, um, areas of my life. And that really helped give me some focus. Yeah. I so. wanted to say before we get into the episode, I would love for you to share one more time that journaling exercise that you created because that's something that I use the last time in my virtual group coaching class. It's something I share with all my clients. I think it's a great way of just continuing to progress with your goals, to check in with all areas of your life and to set some easy action steps so that you feel like you are moving forward, but you don't feel like you have to do a million and one things because it is that balance. Like we said, it's not doing nothing and it's not like feeling like you have to do everything. Yeah. Uh, I will just say, I think first of all, DM us if you're interested in this exercise, I can easily email it to you. Um, but essentially on one side, it's, uh, journaling prompts based around reflection. So reflecting on the different areas of your life and just kind of just straight writing how you're feeling in this moment. And it can be in any kind of area of your life that matters to you. So, um, you know, I tend to focus on health goals, which can be like nutrition and fitness, personal development, which can be learning something new, doing something creative, exploring new passions, and then uh, category of success, which is like career, finances. There's all these mini topics within them, but kind of thinking about what matters most to you. And then for the reflection exercise, yeah, just what does it feel like right now? Why is this important to you? What could, what area, what in this area could use some work? 
And, uh, and then the flip side of the worksheet is what I call projections. It's like projecting what you sort of want to make happen and what is now the action step that you will take. What can you do next week, this month? What can you put on your calendar that will help you move further along with that goal? Because there's so much manifestation that happens and there's so much like goal setting that happens. But I think often what's missing is that actual clear step that you write down or you decide with yourself of, okay, so I want X, how am I going to get there? And, and for, for me right now, another big thing is finances. And, you know, maybe it took a pandemic for me to sit down and really look at my finances and get really organized. But I'm seeing a lot of classes through Elvest. Uh, Denitha Doe, who we had on the podcast, has been offering free webinars. We took one of her webinars so last good. week. It was so, so helpful. helpful. Elvest has different webinars every week now. So I'm just like, that's one thing that I'm that I'm signing up for and it's actually on my calendar and that is helping me achieve my goal of becoming more financially intelligent and um, learning new financial terms. And so that's sort of the exercise, but as simple as it needs to be, it can just be what I did yesterday, going through the different areas of my life and writing what feels good and what needs work. That's it. Yep. And one thing I like to do every single day is to write one victory from the day, one little challenge, um, that you overcame or just one thing that you're celebrating that day, just one, because I think we can tend to look back on the day and be like, I didn't get this done. I didn't do that. I wanted to do this. And then you go to bed with that feeling instead writing down in a journal next to your bed, you know, I did this today and that's what I'm celebrating today and finishing on that high note because that counts and that'll keep you feeling, um, fueled and moving forward um, and going after those things that are important to you, even if it's small right now. Absolutely. So with that, we want to get right into this episode with Dr. David Jockers. We hope you enjoy. And especially if focusing on your nutrition goals or health goals is something important to you, this is a great time to tune in. So enjoy. All right. Well, Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Jockers, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Jess and Rye. I appreciate you guys and appreciate all the great content you guys are providing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're really excited to chat with you. And I'm going to have to put Georgia, Atlanta, at least on my bucket list because I've never been. Got to get some of those peaches, but maybe not, not on keto, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be your carb cycle. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> uh, well, we'll save it for the summer. So um, you don't know this, but I actually stumbled upon your YouTube channel, which now has over 140,000 subscribers, which is awesome. Um, when I was going to IIN, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and studying to become a health coach and... I was learning over a hundred different dietary theories. And at the same time, I was trying to break free from over 10 years of yo-yo dieting myself. And so I was pretty overwhelmed by all of these conflicting theories and diets, but I kept coming back in my mind to keto because not only was it being talked about so much more, but it was so opposite from what I believed I should be doing all those years I was dieting. And, you know, I was thinking that I needed to avoid high calorie foods, especially fats like avocado and coconut, which are two of the keto staples and also now two of the foods I'm obsessed with and can't imagine my life without. 
And I really liked your channel because you broke down the keto diet in such a simple way. And I just found you kind of doing a keyword search and I kept coming back to your videos and you also give so many good tips and tricks. And I saw a video where you did a grocery store tour and kind of help people figure out how to do keto in the healthiest, most sustainable kind of way, which was really helpful in my understanding. And you know, kind of trying to figure out if it was something I might want to try or at least adopt different aspects of it into my lifestyle. And so we'll definitely get into some of those tips and tricks, but we'd love to have you start by explaining a little bit more about what it means to be a doctor of natural medicine. Yeah, for sure. So a doctor of natural medicine is basically, you know, I've been trained to help, help, help individuals really understand how to optimize their their metabolism and their functionality, right? And so your typical medical doctors are really focusing on diagnosing chronic diseases and treating them from the outside in with medications and um, possibly surgeries and things like that. And so I'm focused on looking where there's imbalances. And my whole goal is to just understand the body you know, is always looking to balance itself, this state of homeostasis. And I'm trying to look for any sort of imbalances and bring the body back into balance. And of course, in our society today, we've got this epidemic of chronic inflammation. And so we've got to look to the root causes of inflammation. And that's where, you know, basically metabolism, high blood sugar, high insulin, this is a a really big factor in our society today. And so a ketogenic diet is a great strategy to help bring blood sugar back into balance and lower your insulin levels. And so that's just one component of what a doctor of natural medicine does. Um, However, Mm -hmm. you know, diet is, you know, we put so much emphasis on that because it's really something we can control. It's harder to control the air you breathe, for example, you know, if you go out outside, you really can't control the air that you're breathing. You certainly can get an air purifier for your home. I recommend that there's things you can do to clean up your indoor air. But you know, what you put in your mouth, what you put, you know, your your, your day to day diet is such a big lever when it comes to your health. And it's something that we can consciously choose. And so we put a lot of emphasis on diet. Um, obviously, you know, we look at labs and, um, you know, in natural medicine, we look at labs differently than in clinical medicine. So in clinical medicine, they look at labs and they're looking for, you know, very wide ranges. And if you're out of those wide ranges, you basically have some sort of disease process. But if you're inside of the range, yet you don't feel good, they really don't have answers, or at least not not true scientific answers. Mm-hmm. And so in functional medicine or, or natural medicine, we look at more optimal ranges, so tighter lab ranges to really understand, okay, where are the imbalances? Where's the functional deficits that are going on here? And how do we address that? And so that's basically what we're doing. And then, you know, really using herbs and natural healing therapies. You know, I'm a huge fan of fasting, for example. Um, You know, there's all different types of things. You You can create salves, for example. Like I'll have a lot of clients that... Um, you know, may have, especially this time of year, we're doing this in the winter, um, fevers, colds, pneumonia, bronchitis, things like that. And so, you know, instead of an antibiotic, you know, obviously we'll load up on some good nutrients like vitamin D and vitamin C. And then we may also do something like taking garlic, blending it up with coconut oil, 
putting a few drops of lavender essential oil in there and then making what's called a salve, which basically it's like this herbal oil. Um, you've got a whole bunch of garlic in there and the coconut oil, and then you just rub it on the bottoms of your feet. You put it on your chest mm. and, uh, it's natural antimicrobial and it's really, really good for helping people get over bronchitis, pneumonia, different issues like that quickly. So these are the kind of techniques that we use in natural medicine, just really using the things that God provided in nature to help our body heal naturally. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And the tail end of what you said, our mom actually is um, traveling back from London, England tomorrow and has bronchitis. So I'm going to recommend that solve for her. Um, She might be doing something similar because she is actually a hormone health educator and Mm. we actually run a family business with her. So we love that you talk about kind of that wide range of, of testing and getting more um, granular and specific because we do saliva testing and we know that your mom's a naturopathic doctor. So we're curious how the work that she has done has influenced you and if maybe you've worked together on projects. Yeah, absolutely. So my mom growing up, She was a nurse first, and then she became a midwife. Um, I was not born at home, but she was actually still working in a hospital when I was born. But I have three, uh, actually four younger brothers and sisters, and um, three of them were born at home. And so my mom really got into midwifery. She got into massage therapy and then eventually took that down the road. Uh, She's not a doctor of naturopath, but she has a naturopathic uh, degree. I don't, I don't exactly know what it was, but, um, and then she also has a, uh, nurse practitioner, which is like a master's degree in nursing, uh, degree as well. And so, you know, I kind of took this journey with her in a sense, like I was growing up and she was constantly studying herbs. She's got certifications in herbology and she, we always had a garden and, uh, she's a very unique person. You can go out in the woods with her and she, will literally take you on a walk and just name, you know, all the different plants and herbs and what you can use medicinally, things like that. She studied under, you know, several people that knew how to do that. And so it's really unique. You know, she's got a great, great knowledge and skill set as far as that goes. And so that absolutely, um, you know, was a huge influence on me. I mean, obviously you guys know growing up, if your mom's a hormone health educator, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just grow up in, in this, in this more of a holistic Uh, household. And so we never, I I never took a prescription antibiotic. I've never taken one in my life. Oh, wow. Um, That's so impressive. Yeah. And so when, when we would get sick in the, in the wintertime or whatever it was, it was chicken soup, lots of garlic, swallowing garlic cloves, making garlic salve, you know, different things like that, loading up on vitamin C. Um, so that was how I was raised. And, um, you know, I really didn't understand it back when I was a teenager. I was an athlete and I just wanted to improve my performance. And the way that my mom educated me was that she would say things like I would have kale on my plate, for example, and I didn't like kale back then. And so I just thought, why do I need to eat this? And she used to tell me things like, you know what, that kale is going to give you more energy. You're going to be able to perform better. It's going to be good for your skin. My brother had acne, my older brother, and um, I didn't want to have acne. And so I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. if this is going to help me not have acne, then I'll eat that. And, um, you know, she told me that sugar was the reason why, you know, he was eating processed chocolate bars and sugar and things like that. She's like, that's why he's got all this acne. So she really pointed to the root cause. And so I was like, okay, well, in that case, I'm not going to eat fried foods. 
I'm not going to eat chocolate. You know, I'm not going to eat things like that. Um, and I was, you know, 14, 15 years old at the time. And I just realized cause and effect. And so my mm. mom started educating me that way. And then as I got out of school, I uh, was really interested because I was an athlete. I was really interested in performance. So I became a personal trainer and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed training people and I uh, enjoyed working with them with nutrition. And back then I was teaching more of like a Mediterranean diet. That's pretty much what all I knew. Um, and it's really what my mom taught as well. She didn't really know much better at, at that period of time either. And, um, you know, I actually developed irritable bowel syndrome in my early 20s. And I always had some gut issues and then it just got really bad. And at the time I was eating six meals a day, you know, as a personal trainer trying to maintain a certain amount of muscle mass. And I thought I had to eat a protein, I had to have a protein shake at night before I went to bed and then wake up in the morning and I would have like a big bowl of oatmeal or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and I thought I would lose muscle if I didn't eat like that. And when I developed irritable bowel, I would just get nauseous in the morning. Um, and I, I really couldn't even eat. And I just started fasting, intermittent fasting actually. And, um, I found that I started to heal. Right. And this is after I lost 30 pounds, actually. Wow. Uh, so I got pretty sick. And but I just noticed that I felt better. And I would actually fast. I would um, drink a lot of water and fast until usually 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And then I would eat in like a four hour eating window. And this is back in 2005. I had never heard of intermittent mm -hmm. fasting. Nobody was talking about it. I just realized I felt a lot better when I did this and I regained my weight believe it or not, only eating in this short window. And I felt stronger than ever. And at the time I was in graduate school, I was actually in chiropractic school. Um, and I was able to regain my life and my health. And it was amazing. It was an incredible breakthrough. And that's what really got me started with intermittent fasting. And I also, one of my mentors, when I was in school, I was uh, always interested in nutrition. At, at that period of time, I really wanted to run a, a natural health clinic. And so, um, one of my mentors, and you guys may have heard of him, Dr. Dan Pompa, mm -hmm. um, he came out with something called the cellular healing diet, which was a very low carb diet. Um, and I embraced that and started following that. And that along with the intermittent fasting really helped me in my, my health journey. Wow. So flash forward to today, we know you own and operate the Exodus Health Center um, and you also have drdockers.com. Can you tell us a little bit about what you provide on these sites uh, for people, what kind of information and services you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So when I came out with, with drjockers.com, uh, you know, my goal really initially was this, was when I was in school, when I started seeing, I was interning at, at a doctor's office and I, I, you know, was reading all these different health articles and learning as much as I could. And I was doing workshops at his office and patients would constantly come up to me and they'd say, what do I do for my thyroid? What do I do for, what do, how do I lose 10 pounds? What do I do? I've got diverticulitis. What should I do? And so I started basically be, I was saying the same thing over and over and over again to people. And I realized, you know what, I just need to start writing articles and giving them to people because that way it's going to save me time. And, uh, and I started writing for another website, actually, I started guest posting for another website. And during that period of time, I actually went into my own private practice. And um, people started contacting me because this website, it was naturalnews.com. And they had a huge following. This is back in 2009. And people started basically getting in contact with me 
through publishing on this other website and they wanted to do long distance consultations and uh, they wanted to work with me, people from all around the world. Um, people would come into my clinic because they were reading my content and I realized, wow, I need to really make my own website out of this. And so I started drjockers.com in 2011 and I really, you know, was just kind of republishing stuff um, and it didn't, it wasn't really getting a whole lot of traction. And then I, I decided, you know what, what I want to be unique about my website is I want really great imagery. I want to, when I read articles, I really like to look at visual pictures and understand graphics. I'm very much a visual learner. And so I hired a graphic designer and between he and I, we just started creating really unique content with lots of great images and, uh, you know, over time that just kind of took on a life of its own. And of course I started a YouTube channel and creating a lot of content for that. And, um, you know, now, uh, I have a team that runs my clinic and I'm in there one morning a week and I'm mostly focusing on creating the world's best natural health content. And that's really what my team on Dr. Jockers is focused on. We take complex health topics and we try to break them down and create great articles with great imagery to help people understand the action steps they need to take to bring their, their health back in balance. And, um, we, uh, and then of course I also have a, a YouTube channel like you were mentioning and, um, and I create a lot of videos around these topics as well. That's so great because all of this can be so overwhelming. And so your focus on simplifying it, making it so easy to understand is, is wonderful and so needed. Refreshing. Yeah. So because we do want to, we have a lot of questions around keto. We want to kind of dive right into that if, if you wouldn't mind. And then, yeah. we would, then we're going to uh, get into questions around sleep and inflammation and, and some of the other things you mentioned at the, at the top of this uh, conversation. But to get right into the keto conversation, we'd love to know what it means to be keto in a general sense. Yeah. So basically our metabolism is going to run off of one of three things. We can burn sugar, we can burn fat, or we can burn ketones for a fuel source. Most people are in chronic sugar burning mode. Okay. Meaning that basically they're dependent upon having a certain level of blood sugar. And so they eat a meal, their blood sugar goes up and then the, the body produces this hormone called insulin that takes the sugar out of the bloodstream and puts it into the muscles, into the liver, into the fat cells. And so as the sugar starts going down, that individual gets hungry, they have cravings, they feel irritable, they have a hypoglycemic-like episode unless they go ahead and have another feeding. And usually it's going to be like every three to four, maybe five hours, they're going to need another feeding to get their blood sugar back up. And that's because their body's not good at burning fat for fuel. Now, what we want to do is actually be a really good fat burner. And so when we're a good fat burner, then we can go longer periods of time without food. And our blood sugar, as it drops down, our body and insulin goes down. Our body says, okay, let's use fat for fuel. So it's breaking down fat. And then there's a byproduct of fat metabolism. And it's called ketones. And ketones are a water-soluble molecule that's made from fat by the liver that actually goes up into the brain and can fuel the brain. So fatty acids themselves can't get through the blood-brain barrier. But these awesome molecules, the ketones, will get in there and fuel your brain. In fact, they're an amazing fuel for your brain. So you, when you're running on ketones, you actually feel really mentally clear, cognitively very, very sharp. You feel energized. They're very satiating. So you actually don't experience hunger. I always tell people, 
I really don't feel hungry until I start eating. Like I can go long periods of time mm. without food. And then once I start eating, my body says, okay, looks like we're eating now. So let's go ahead and eat a lot. Um, and so it really gives me freedom from the constant need to eat uh, that so many people are dealing with. And so, and, 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 and so when you're keto adapted, you don't have the, the hunger, the cravings, things like that. You feel much more mentally clear, more energetic. It reduces inflammation because when you have higher levels of blood sugar and insulin, that's going to trigger inflammatory gene pathways, these massive inflammatory amplifiers in your body that just, um, you know, turn on the inflammatory switch in a sense, right? It's like a, a massive fire that's spreading throughout your body. And so when you get those back down and in balance, it turns off the inflammation. So you have less inflammation, less oxidative stress. When you're keto adapted, you also increase the amount of mitochondria within the cells of your body. And mitochondria will produce all the energy. So your body becomes very, very energy efficient, very metabolically flexible, where you're able to switch between burning sugar when you do eat food and burning fat for fuel when you're not eating food. Right. And again, that just makes you feel better. If you're looking to lose weight, it's a great way to lose weight. But the interesting thing is this is that, like myself, I've never tried to lose weight. I've always been lean. And yet, being in ketosis and practicing intermittent fasting, this actually helps me maintain my muscle mass. I actually mm -hmm. don't have to eat quite as much. And actually, I'm able to maintain my muscle mass as long as I, you know, do resistance training, strength training as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very anti-aging on the body because it's reducing inflammation and oxidative stress. And we know inflammation and oxidative stress, chronic inflammation, these are things that age us. It's like rusting of an apple. It, it ages us from the inside out, rusts mm -hmm. our body. And so when we're, when we're in ketosis, we're significantly reducing that oxidative stress. And these ketones are just an amazing fuel sources. They actually also are epigenetic modulators. And that's an interesting term. What that means is they actually turn on healthy uh, genetic function. And so we all have genetic traits within us that will predispose us to chronic disease and dysfunction. We also have genetic components within our body that help create resiliency. So they help create strength and resiliency to stress. And so when we've got ketones elevated in our system, particularly in our brain, it turns on the kind of genes that give us better adaptation to stress. So we're able to handle more stress and not burn out. We're able to handle, you know, whether it's physical stress, like temperature changes um, or, um, you know, mental, emotional stress, relationship issues, things like that without you know, without having major dysfunction take place in our body. And so it's really amazing. It gives us a greater survival advantage when we're able to do that. Mm. And so, yeah, you want your body to be a lean, mean, fat-burning machine. You want to be keto-adapted, uh, and it just gives you that, that advantage in life. Do you recommend that people test to see uh, if you are in ketosis? Is there, you know, I remember Jess and I used to be weight loss consultants and we worked for this company where you would check if you would pee on a yeah, stick. Yeah, pee on a stick and you would check if you're in ketosis. Is that necessary, do you think? 
That's a great question. I don't think it's necessary for everybody, but for some individuals, I think it's very helpful. And so the best way to test if you're in ketosis is not actually urine testing. Urine testing has the advantage that it's really inexpensive and it will tell you if you're producing ketones, but it doesn't tell you how well your body's utilizing them. In fact, if you pee on a keto stick and you see high ketones there, that means your body's producing ketones, but probably not using them well. So when you first get started on a ketogenic diet, you reduce significantly reduce your sugar and your carbohydrates, and you're focusing your diet on healthy fats. Usually it's going to be somewhere between 65 to 80% of your calories coming from healthy fats, something like 20 to maybe up to 35% from protein, and then roughly around 5% of your calories coming from carbohydrates. When you go on that sort of a template, your blood sugar is going to go down, your insulin is going to go down, your body's going to start producing these ketones. But if you don't use them well, it's going to urinate them out. So a lot of people when they first start, they'll, 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 you know, they'll think they're doing, they'll think their body's in ketosis because the urine stick will say high ketones. But what happens is over time, as your body adapts, you'll actually urinate out less because you'll actually be using them as an energy source. And so over time, the actual keto stick will show less and less ketones because your body's using them for energy. Right. Now, the gold standard way to test if you're in ketosis is a blood test, right? So you actually, it's a blood, it's a finger prick uh, blood test that you can do at home. There's a great company, Keto Mojo. You can get the blood ketone meter and blood ketone sticks. I think they're like 99 cents a piece. So they are a little bit pricey. And if you're testing like that, it's going to obviously add up if you're continually doing it, but it will actually give you a level of ketones. And we know nutritional ketosis is uh, basically the the measurement you need to be in is 0.5 millimoles or higher. Okay. Now, unless you're doing an extended fast, you're probably not going to get up over 2.5 or 3.0 millimoles unless you're using like supplemental ketones or doing an extended fast. So typically it's going to be in that 0.5 to 3.0 range. And that's when your body's in nutritional ketosis. Now, something that you'll notice in how you feel when you're in nutritional ketosis. And so in the beginning for some people, it can be beneficial to test to make sure you're, you're in ketosis. But over time, you'll just know because you're able to go long periods of time without food without feeling like you've got hunger, cravings, irritability, um, energy crashes, things like that. So in the past, when I would go, you know, four hours without a meal, you know, I would feel lightheaded. You know, for some people, they'll sweat. I never sweat, but I would get lightheaded. I would get hangry, right? Or I would just be irritable and and hungry. Um, And it was really hard to do. And so when you're keto adapted, like I can easily, I did a 24 hour fast today. I, I went from lunch yesterday to lunch today and I wasn't even hungry. And I worked out, you know, I worked out intensely, uh, at 12 o'clock today and, uh, broke my fast around one thirty, and, uh, felt fantastic. I wasn't even actually hungry when I, when I broke the fast. And that was a sign that my body is so good at, again, producing these ketones and utilizing them. So once you get into this lifestyle, you start to realize how you feel when you're in ketosis and you kind of know like it's that internal knowledge and just knowing yourself and you know um you know how you vibrate in a sense your vibrational energy when you're in ketosis and um there's there's not as much of a need to test unless you want to you know quantify 
how much ketones uh, you're producing. But another big thing that you'll notice is as your body gets better at using ketones, you your levels typically don't go real high. Like I'm usually somewhere between 0.5 and maybe 1.2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel amazing and I can go long periods of time without food and I don't really get up bumping up much higher unless I go more than a day without food. Thank you for that's such great information. And I really like that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your body best and you can get a sense for once you've been doing it a while, when you're actually in ketosis based on how you feel. So I think helping people to get a little bit more intuitive rather of rather than obsessing over testing themselves every single day is probably a way to keep it more sustainable. Um, and, and with that said, you know, you mentioned some of these side effects that people can feel when they're transitioning from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. Um, I know with a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's like that sort of quote unquote keto flu is the stage at which people can throw in the towel or get discouraged. So can you speak to how someone makes that transition and what a day in the life would look like? Yeah, absolutely. So in my book, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, I kind of take people through the keto adaptation period. And so depending on where you're coming from, right? So for some people that are on very high carbohydrate diets or very metabolically inflexible, what I always recommend is a gradual approach, a gradual shift towards ketosis. So if you're eating, let's say 200, 250 grams, 300 grams of carbohydrates daily, like most Americans are, you may not want to drop it all the way down to 20 or 30 grams of net carbs, uh, which is total carbs minus fiber, all of a sudden, like just the next day. Instead, you may just want to drop maybe 50 grams of carbs or so per day, right? So instead of eating carbs at breakfast, you'd focus on eating just healthy fats. So if you're eating three meals a day, like I was growing up, so I would eat um, you know, typically oatmeal or cereal with uh, bananas and skim milk or something like that for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, for lunch, it was like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then for dinner, it was like pasta or something along those lines. So it was all these carbs. So if that's you, then try just shifting one meal to in the beginning, right? So try instead for breakfast, um, you know, having eggs, for example, right? Or like a veggie omelet or something along those lines. And so you can start like that. And I'm a huge fan of um, earlier in the day, really trying to trying to make sure if you're going to eat carbs, that you're not doing it early in the day, do it more in the evening, like with your dinner. Interesting. Okay. I just find that uh, if you're going to eat carbs, they're a little bit more tolerated then, and uh, you have less cravings throughout the day. So if you start your day with carbs, you're typically going to end up kind of in this hunger cycle. So that's probably the first big step is trying to switch out there. And um, I always recommend as much as possible reducing your sugar and your grains, right? So all your breads, things like that, trying to take all of that out. And then instead, focusing on healthy fats, adding in more avocados, olives, olive oil, um, grass-fed butter, um, eggs, things like that, these healthy fat sources. So you're, you're taking out calories that are coming from starch, and you're adding more calories that are coming from fats. 
So that's what you're focusing on there. And gradually over time, you know, you'll shift into this zone where, you know, you're getting your carbohydrates very, very low in this somewhere around 20 to 30 gram per day range, unless you're an athlete or unless you're very active, you may be able to handle a little bit more. And then you try to go basically like a month in that range. Okay. And if you gradually shift, it's going to reduce the keto flu symptoms, it's going to reduce the hypoglycemic symptoms, as opposed to if you kind of do an all of it, if you just suddenly drop your carbs quickly. Okay. And then the other big thing is you want to make sure that you're adding in healthy salts. So if you're on a high carbohydrate diet, and you may have heard in our society, people will say, you know, uh, reduce your salt intake, low salt diets, things like that. And that that is something you should do if you're on a high carb diet, because when you have high insulin levels, so when you have high, a high carb diet, what follows that is high insulin, that hormone that we talked about. High insulin causes sodium retention. So you retain more sodium in your system. Mm-hmm. But when your insulin drops, when you go on this sort of ketogenic diet, then your body's going to excrete sodium. And you need that sodium to provide for proper blood pressure. You need it for uh, nerve activity, nervous system activity. Um, you need it for mental clarity. You need it for energy production. So you've got to actually salt your foods well. Okay. So one, one tip I'll have people do is make sure they're consuming at least two teaspoons of salt every day. Now, you don't have to just take a teaspoon of salt in your mouth. Instead, you know, just put that on your food okay, or sprinkle some in your water. Make sure you're getting that salt, and that's going to play a big role. And I recommend some sort of a good quality salt, sea salt, um, like Himalayan sea salt, Celtic sea salt, Redmond's Real Salt, one of those better brands that has more vital minerals in it. So doing something like that, and then also focusing on trace mineral-rich foods. So I'm a huge fan of things like seaweed, fermented foods, right? So this is a little bit more advanced, but if people are starting to implement um, you know, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut or pickles or kimchi or something along those lines, those are naturally salted. So you're getting a lot of good minerals. There's probiotics, prebiotics in there, enzymes. So a lot of good stuff for the digestive tract. Um, so that's all going to be really helpful. Um, all your wild caught grass fed organic animal products are going to be very mineral rich as well. So those are great avocados, green leafy vegetables. You're trying to get, eat these trace mineral rich foods and make your diet up with those trace mineral rich foods. And that's going to really help, uh, prevent keto flu. Now, the other big thing is if you're making a change in your diet, especially a pretty big change, it's a good idea not to, you know, if you if you would classify your life as overwhelming, right? It's not a good idea to make a dramatic change in your diet. You do want to shift in the right direction. You want to lean in, in the right direction. But a ketogenic diet can be mildly stressful on the body to get into keto adaptation. It's it's a stressor on the system. So you want to be in a place where you're not overwhelmed with stress, okay? And so making sure you're prioritizing good sleep habits, um, reducing stress on your life, things like that, as you go into this keto adaptation period is important so you get the best benefits out of it. And then what you'll come out of after kind of going through this keto adaptation and doing 30, a 30 day deep dive in ketosis is that you'll just be more stress resilient. So you'll be able to handle stress at a higher level. 
Um, and uh, you'll have made the metabolic shifts and, and built the metabolic machinery to where you can then cycle in and out of ketosis, where you may have a little bit more carbohydrates from time to time, uh, but you can, your body can get right back into ketosis with a longer fasting window the next day or just you know going on a, on a deeper, lower-carb diet uh, for a period of time. So you can kind of shift in and out once you've built the machinery. And usually for most people, it's going to take about somewhere between two to six weeks uh, going on a very low-carbohydrate diet, uh, this sort of ketogenic diet where you keep your uh, carbohydrates really low and you get your fats up um, like we talked about before. In that two to six week range, you're going to make the metabolic adaptations to where your body's now proficient at using ketones for a fuel source. Wow, that is so much great information. I love how detailed you got and it's so helpful. Um, You mentioned being a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. I think a lot of our listeners are as well. So if you would be willing to kind of map out like what would a day look like on the keto diet, maybe a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, incorporating some of your favorite keto-approved brands or products or swap outs that you really like, because I think that can be so helpful. And you post so many great recipes on your website and your YouTube. So I know that you have a lot of great ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So for breakfast, you could do one of several things. You might do bacon and eggs, for example, is a really common keto breakfast. Um, I would like to incorporate some vegetables in there, like um, putting in maybe a little bit of bell pepper or some green leafy vegetables, or maybe having eggs and avocado as an example of a breakfast, or you might intermittent fast. Like for me, I never eat breakfast. I just feel better without it. So I just drink a lot of water. Sometimes I'll have black coffee, herbal tea. um, And that's how I do it. And then other people will do, they'll have a fatty coffee or a bulletproof coffee in the morning where they might put butter in it and maybe some MCT oil, which are healthy fats. And MCT oil actually will turn into ketones quickly in your system. So it can help Again, provide that fuel source for your brain. So those are good uh, good breakfast options. One more would be like a keto protein shake mm-hmm. where you can take something like coconut milk. You might throw avocado in there, maybe half avocado or a full avocado and a good quality unsweetened. Well, it could be sweetened with stevia, but not a non-sugar based uh, protein powder. So you might take something like a collagen protein, which is real popular, or bone broth protein. Or if you know, if you're you're more plant-based, you can do a pea protein or hemp protein or something like that. Put that in there and have a great protein shake. You might even put some vegetables in there as well. Um, and then that's a great low carb protein shake you can have for breakfast. So if you want to do a smoothie. Um, then for lunch, you could do any of those options I just talked about actually, right? So you could do a keto protein shake. You could do the eggs if you want, or you could do like a big salad with chicken and avocado and olives on it and maybe some olive oil and, uh, apple cider vinegar as a dressing or a good brand for salad dressing is primal, uh, the primal ranch or primal, Love that. the primal yeah, kitchen. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Primal Kitchen, exactly. Yep. So, uh, so they've got some great um, salad dressings that are very low carb, that are healthy, that you can put on your salad. Um, and then for dinner or for lunch, you could also do leftovers. I have a lot of people do leftovers from their dinner. 
So dinner might be steak and salad. It might be steak and let's say broccoli or cauliflower, or Brussels sprouts or something like that. And so you steam up your broccoli and your cauliflower and then you smother it in, in butter, right? So you just melt the butter on there. You put herbs on it. And a lot of people will say, how do you get your kids to eat broccoli, right? So like my kids eat broccoli. Um, I've got three little ones. They eat cauliflower. And I always tell them, you know, the big key is make sure you get a lot of butter on it, right? <laughs> so the butter is great. And those vegetables are really good carriers for the butter. So you can get like uh, Vital Farms, grass-fed butter, Kerrygold grass-fed butter, which is rich in fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, D, E, vitamin K2, very rich in omega-3 fatty acids, which are anti-inflammatory, very rich in choline and serine, which are, are powerful compounds for your brain, right? So really good stuff that's in the grass-fed butter. So you put that on there. I'm a huge fan of using herbs. So if it's a salad or if it is steamed vegetables or meat, I like to use uh, things like um, uh, like so something like rosemary, oregano, basil, uh, thyme. So all these different Mediterranean herbs, they smell good, they taste good. They also help stimulate your digestive juice production. So when you actually smell your meal before you eat it, it naturally stimulates your hydrochloric acid production in your stomach, so your stomach acid, your bile production, your pancreatic enzyme production, and that's going to help you eat your meal and, and actually digest it more effectively and cause less stress on your gut. So many people in our society today, we're eating really fast, we're eating on the go, and that's really problematic for good digestive health. You know, mm -hmm. So we know that our gut lining is only one cell wall thick, and we've got to protect it. And so when we're eating food quickly, and particularly, you know, in fast food restaurants, obviously, it's really bad food. But even if we're eating healthy food, but we're eating it very, very quickly, and mindlessly, we're actually not going to digest it very well. And we're going to put more stress on that gut lining and, and create tears in our intestinal lining, which will cause leaky gut syndrome, food sensitivities, and chronic inflammation. So taking the time, putting a lot of herbs on your food, smelling it, taking some deep breaths before you eat, and also using things like lemon juice, or you can do fresh squeezed lemon or lime or apple cider vinegar and putting that on your meat and vegetables is really helpful as well because the acids in there and the enzymes that are in those will actually start the, the digestive process before the food even gets in your mouth. So if you take a steak or fish or something like that and you put lemon on it or you put apple cider vinegar or something along those lines, those acids will start breaking it down beforehand. And you can do that on the vegetables as well, which makes it more digestible, easier on your system. And when you take in lemon, lime, apple cider vinegar, those are bitters. And bitter, anything bitter is going to naturally stimulate digestive juices. That's, again, your bile, your, your stomach acid, your pancreatic enzymes. And so you always want to include good bitter foods, fermented foods, um, again, lemon, lime, things like that. Uh, dandelion, parsley. So I always try to incorporate things like that. I eat radishes almost every single day. Radishes are really great for helping stimulate bile flow. Artichokes are another really good one. Um, cilantro. Uh, I mentioned dandelion. Um, all those herbs I mentioned, oregano, basil, thyme, ginger. These things are great for stimulating digestive juice production, and that's going to help enhance your digestive process and help you get more out of the meal. And they also act as natural antimicrobials to help, in a sense, keep the weeds out of your, your gut 
right? Kind of like mowing your lawn and weeding it, right? Getting the weeds out. And on top of that, they're also antioxidants. So they actually help to reduce oxidative stress in your system as well. So again, you know, having, you know, your favorite source of meat, some vegetables with healthy fats on them, and then using those herbs and, uh, and herbal tonics and things like that, really powerful way to, to set up your keto meal plan. Yes, that is super helpful. A lot of great options. Uh, it's really endless when you start mm-hmm. looking into it. So as a follow-up, we'd love to know, other than Primal Kitchen, any other keto-specific brands that you love and, and recommend? Yeah, so we use Sweet Leaf Stevia. I'm a huge fan of those. Um, and so we'll make some desserts. There's a lot of, a lot of recipes on my website. And we'll use a Stevia or we use... Um, some different brands, Chalk Zero or Lacanto. Uh, yeah, they have Lecanto. monk fruit sweeteners that are really good. We also are, we love these coconut flour wraps. I can't remember exactly the brand that there's several we brands do, that make Nuko? them. Yeah, we really like Nuko. Yeah, Nuko makes some. Thrive Market has their yeah. own. Um, but we love making fajitas. So we'll uh, we'll dice up some some bell peppers and some onions with uh, with chicken and saute that in butter or coconut oil or something like that and then make guacamole and sour cream a good organic grass-fed sour cream Mm. and put that all together and it's just amazing tastes so good um so we love that what else do we use a lot of um you know trying to trying to get organic meats ideally from like a a local farmer but you can also order and i'll have a lot of people that will say well there's i can't find a local farmer around me and i don't have a whole foods or a place like that so you can order from companies like u.s wellness meats slankers which is out of texas u.s wellness meats is out of missouri and they pretty much have almost every cut of meat from almost every animal that you can imagine so they have incredible selection and so you can make orders from u.s wellness meats um, we do that from time to time. We also have a local farmer that we'll utilize. Um, there's also, I'm trying to think of the brand, but there is 100% grass-fed hot dogs that don't have nitrates or basically just grass-fed beef with, uh, with herbs. Yeah, Applegate. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So brand. they've got, yeah, th- those are so good. So, and they're easy. So I've got young children at home. And so, um, I, at one point we had three under three, three children under oh three God. years old. Cause I have twin, I have twin boys. Mm. They're now four. They just turned four and I have a 19 month old daughter. And so as you can imagine, it's pretty crazy around the house. So a lot of times we'll just get, get our steamer out, steam up broccoli or cauliflower. And, um, oftentimes we'll make like a mashed potatoes alternative out of the cauliflower because we love that and steam up the broccoli. And then we'll, on the steamer, we'll actually just throw those hot dogs in. <clears throat> and so the, the hot water steams and that actually cooks the hot dogs. And then we'll have our, our, uh, primal, uh, mustard, right. And they actually have a ketchup. I don't do ketchup. My wife loves it though. They actually have a really low carb ketchup too. Yeah. So. They have so many different, like they have barbecue sauce, really great, and Thousand yeah. Island. I love to do like grass fed lettuce wrap burgers with the Thousand Island. Um, yeah. Yep. Those are really great suggestions. The sausages sound great. Um, we wanted to ask you, do you think that the keto diet is for everyone and do you think that there's people that it's not for? 
Yeah, that's a great question as well. I think that for short periods of time, it is a beneficial diet for everybody. I don't think everybody should be on it all the time, but I do think that the ability to get into ketosis and have metabolic flexibility, I think is really, really beneficial. So for some individuals, depending on, you know, for example, if they don't have a gallbladder or if they have just, if their bile ducts are really, really blocked up, uh, which may end up causing them to not have a gallbladder because that's typically will create gallstones and uh, we'll have, and the, the medical profession will just take the gallbladder out. If that's the case, then it may be tr- you may have a lot of trouble with digesting the fats. And so in those cases, we may want to do some gallbladder flushes. And you can absolutely do that. Um, I have a great article on my website on that. I've done it several times before. Um, where basically you, you stop eating around 12, 12, 1 o'clock uh, that day. And then later on at night, um, and also throughout the day, you're drinking water with Epsom salt. Um, or I'm sorry, you're drinking water with apple cider vinegar in it to help loosen up your bile ducts. And then you drink a few cups of Epsom salt in water. So basically like a teaspoon of Epsom salt in water, which helps really loosen up the bile ducts. And then at night before you go to bed, you drink, it sounds gross, but you drink olive oil with, I think it's like two thirds a cup of olive oil and a third a cup of uh, lemon juice mixed. And then you go right to sleep and you wake up in the morning, you drink more Epsom salts, and then you're going to end up in the bathroom pretty much all morning mm-hmm. and you'll be pooping out uh, bile stones, right? So these, these green pea-like stones that will mm-hmm. come out of your system. And uh, you do a few of those and you'll notice that your fat digestion improves a lot. Also doing the different steps that I talked about, um, utilizing uh, the different uh, carminative herbs and t- different tonics like lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and things like that will really help uh, with that process. So that's what I found really helps people. But doing short periods of time in, uh, in ketosis, I think can be really helpful for some people depending on their hormones, depending on their genetics. Um, they're going to need a lot more carbs, right? And uh, so they may carb cycle and do higher carbs like every other day. And so I've done that with a lot of people where, um, you know, their evening meal every, every other day is higher in carbs. We add some more sweet potato or something along those lines. And then we do less carbs, right? Uh, the first, you know, basically for breakfast, lunch, uh, the following day. So you're doing a little bit more in the evening, less, uh, throughout the day. And so we're kind of carb cycling like that. And then uh, also trying to increase the activity as well, because exercise itself will help your body burn up stored sugar and put your body into a state of ketosis as well. Okay, so I want to ask this question because obviously there's always criticism around any kind of dieting or way of eating. And the critique of the keto diet has been, um, you know, that it's a fad, that it's hard to do it long term, as well as that it can create disordered eating. Can you respond to that criticism how do you uh what are your thoughts on that yeah so i mean i've been doing this sort of a diet for 10 years now and um i feel great right so it's very very uh you know you're you feel very satiated and you feel very mentally clear when you're doing it and you're in ketosis so you don't really crave the things that you may have craved in the past you don't feel deprived and that's the great thing about it now you know if you're 
not really getting into ketosis or you're just not feeling the benefits, then I can see where people might have some issues. But uh, once you really get into ketosis and experience it, you feel so good that you don't really crave those same foods. And the cool thing is the foods that you are eating are taste so good. The, the meats, the vegetables, the sauces, the spices, things like that, the butter, um, it just tastes so good that I, I don't miss you know anything I used to eat back before I got into ketosis. So I think that's something valuable to understand. And then you know, for some people, like I was talking about, they're going to do better when they do carb cycles. So it's not like um, you're depriving yourself all the time. If you enjoy a lot of fruit, or if you enjoy sweet potatoes, or you know, some sort of healthier starch, or you want you know a dessert with honey, you can do it. Like I tell people, like if they really want it, go ahead and do it, and then fast the next day. Right? Do something where you're able to reset your metabolism, get back into ketosis the following day. Um, and I think that that makes it much more sustainable as well. Great. Yeah. And I think that's very helpful. I think too, um, as someone who has yo-yo dieted for many years, for me at least, it's really helpful to, even if I'm not doing, cause I don't currently practice keto, but you know, if I, I try to stay away from diets, but if I'm eating high fat, I feel much more satiated and the need for carbs goes down and I feel like my brain is operating at a higher level and I can work out better and I'm just happier. So I, I do know that for myself, a higher fat diet works really well, but you know, I travel a lot. I enjoy wine. I like to go out to eat. So for somebody who, you know, is traveling, wants to enjoy the local cuisine without getting really obsessive, do you think that the carb cycling might be beneficial for them? Or how, how would you suggest someone kind of does both? Yeah, absolutely. So what I would recommend is try to keep your carbs down to one meal, one meal a day. And the following day after you have the carbs, if you're able to do it, do it, do some intermittent fasting, right? So if you eat dinner and you finish dinner by 8 p.m., and you enjoy your wine, you know, you enjoy your, your higher carb meal, then try to go till let's say 10 or 12 the following day without eating anything, right? Just drinking a lot of water, staying well hydrated. Um, and that will really help your body basically break down that stored sugar, get your insulin low, and then we'll start to, to burn fat for fuel. Okay. And so you start to get the benefits of ketosis again. And final question on keto, is there a way for someone who is vegan to successfully follow a keto plan? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's actually a whole Facebook group on with people following the vegan ketogenic diet. It's definitely more restricted. So you don't have as many food choices, but you can get, you know, your, your healthy fats from olives, olive oil, avocados, avocado oil, nuts and seeds, different things like that. So, um, Absolutely, you can do it. And then you just eat a lot of vegetables, right? So you're eating a lot of non-starchy vegetables. You're eating, um, you know, coconut, avocados, all the things that I talked about. You can absolutely do it. In fact, when I'm working with cancer patients, I put them on, it's not a vegan diet, but it's a plant-based ketogenic diet. And one of the things we try to focus on is it's a lower protein diet. So we know with faster growing cancers that too much protein can um, impact some of the genetic pathways involved with cancer. So we lower, we drop the protein down a bit. Um, and, uh, particularly certain amino acids like leucine, methionine, 
uh, and uh, your branched chain amino acids, valine and isoleucine. And so, um, so we reduce those, and those are going to mostly come from your animal products. Um, now, we can do things like collagen protein on that diet uh, that I utilize. We might do a little bit of eggs um, or some like wild caught fish from time to time, but it's in general a much lower protein, lower animal product diet. And we really try to focus on getting a lot of healthy fats and a lot of phytonutrient rich vegetables. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, that's great to know. So we want to skip a little bit ahead um, since we're coming to the end, um, but we did want to touch on sleep because we think that sleep is obviously incredibly important. You talk a lot about inflammation, and again, I think it's it's under underappreciated. So what are your favorite hacks for longer, deeper REM state sleep, and, and why is it important for reducing inflammation? Yeah, sleep is really when our body heals. And so for good sleep, what I recommend, number one, is actually it starts when you wake up in the morning, right? So you wake up and you don't hit the snooze, right? Hitting the snooze in the morning is one of the worst things you could do because actually you normally, once you wake up in the morning, like if your alarm goes off or however you're waking up, um, your, your body releases cortisol. So cortisol comes out and that should give you energy and mental clarity and wakefulness, and so you want to actually utilize that. So you, you want to get up out of bed. And I would recommend like this time of year here in Atlanta, it's a little bit cold in the morning. So I actually will go out outside in the morning and I have my gratitude practice outside because it wakes me up. The cold actually shocks me. Um, another thing you could do would be like a cold, uh, cold, you know, do a shower and finish it with some cold water or, or splash some cold water on your face, something along those lines to really kind of give you a wakefulness in the morning when you get up, um, really focusing obviously on gratitude, trying to put your body in a, your mind in a, in a positive state in the morning is very important and getting moving. So it could be going out for a walk. It could be, um, you know, just whatever, if you've got, you know, if you're going for a workout, trying to get some movement in early in the day is important and really moving throughout the day is also very important. Regular exercise, so important for good, healthy sleep. And then in the evening, don't eat too late. Like I would say the latest you'd want to be consuming calories would be maybe up to like eight o'clock at night. Um, I try to finish dinner by six 30. Ideally you want to finish ideally uh, within three hours of going to sleep. Okay. And for every hour that you're sleeping before midnight, so going to bed early is important for every hour you're sleeping before midnight, it's equivalent to three hours of the regenerative capacity of sleeping after midnight. Oh, wow. So your circadian rhythm really operates well going to bed early. If you think about our ancestors, they, you know, once, once the sun went down, they, they might hang around the fire for a little bit, but they were probably going to sleep most nights around nine o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so getting to bed around that time is important and doing your best to reduce the amount of blue light in your home. So trying to turn off as much of the lights as possible. Um, you can get certain types of lights that have less blue light in them that you can put into your lamps, things like that. Um, most of us are still using our technology. I mean, I, we, my wife and I, we do. So oftentimes we'll put on blue light blocking glasses as well. So you can get some little glasses that will brand? help block out the blue light. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The Swanwicks are, are really good. Are you familiar with them? No. Swanwicks? It's a good brand of blue light blocking glasses. Okay. Um, 
but you can find some of those on Amazon. Uh, they're just a little bit more stylish. I think it's called the Swanwicks. Um, and so anyways, getting some blue light blocking glasses in there, um, you know, having a good meal, you know, for dinner, but try again, trying to finish early. And for many people, you know, a little bit of carbs in the evening, especially if they've gone very low carb throughout the day, um, having a little bit more in the evening can help with boosting serotonin and helping you sleep better. So for, for other individuals, they do great. They do great. Some people will even fast through dinner. Um, they might eat a big lunch and fast through dinner and they still sleep great. So everybody's a little bit unique and different from a nutrition perspective. So you kind of have to experiment and find what works well for you. And then making sure your room is dark as, as dark as possible and, or having a, a eye mask. So if you can have your room as dark as possible and have an eye mask on, that's the best. But even if your room isn't as dark as possible, which ideally it is like, you don't have, you know, lights coming in, um, you know, you've got your, you've got blackout shades on or something like that. And you know, your, your, your clock isn't shining a light on you. Um, it's still a good idea to have a eye mask on just for any sort of ambient light. You don't want any of that to get near your eyes. And so, um, so having the eye mask really helpful, keeping your room cool. I like to put my room down to about 65 degrees and that cool, dark environment's very, very helpful for good sleep. And then really watching your sleep posture. So most people are going to sleep either on their back or on their side or a combination of both. You don't want to sleep on your stomach. That is a terrible posture. Uh -oh. You'll have to turn your head and that's going to create more ligament damage in your, in your spine. And so it can cause a lot of problems there. So you want to be either on your back or on your side. And a lot of people will do a combination of those. When you're on your side, you want to make sure your pillow um, doesn't push your head too, you know, doesn't angle your head too much, or it's not too weak to where your head like sinks in too far. You want it to keep your head neutral. And then you should always have a pillow in between your knees. So if I'm lying on my side in kind of a fetal position, I like to have a pillow in between my knees. That's going to keep my hips balanced. That's going to reduce the amount of torque in my pelvis, which will actually is actually very important for reducing lower back pain and causing issues with, uh, for example, the, the, you know, that whole area is, is in alignment with, you know, for males, prostate, for women, ovaries, uterus, bladder, you know, things like that. So keeping your hips balanced will reduce torque in that region, which will help you sleep better and feel better the next morning when you wake up. If you're lying on your back, you want to push the pillow actually a little further down to where your shoulder blades are on it. So if it's only on your neck, it's pushing your head way up forward. And so then you're, you're, you know, you're actually causing more forward head posture and that's a problem. So you actually want to slide it down a little bit to where your shoulder blades are on it. So you're actually flexing more so from your, your hips. And then you want to have a pillow underneath your knees. So your knees are flexed and that will take stress off your lower back. So getting a good sleep posture like that is important. So going to bed early, getting good sleep posture, keeping your room dark, cool, um, you know, not having stressful conversations with your spouse before bed. Not talking about finances. Um, always a good idea. Yeah. Well. Yeah, exactly. Talking about, that's right. Not a good idea to uh, have stressful conversations. So you should be just winding down, relaxing, you know, really trying to have a gratitude practice, prayer, mm -hmm. things like that, that can just help relieve anxiety 
and help bring more positivity. That's a great idea to set you up for a great night's sleep. Yeah, those, those are great uh, tips. And I was feeling really good because I do most of those things, but then you got to never sleep on your stomach. And that's the only way I fall asleep. And I've been waking up oh. every morning this past week with like a peg arm. Like it feels <laughs> completely, yeah, and even right yep. now it hurts so bad. So I would, I, I need to go on your site and I'm assuming you have some videos and things on the, on the posture because yeah. the posture is yeah, kind of hard to visualize. on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. If you look up on, it is hard to visualize, hard on a podcast to explain yeah. it. If you go on YouTube and you look up Jocker's sleeping postures, I do have video on Perfect. that. Of course you do. You have yeah. everything. Yeah. And I think that for some <laughs> of this stuff, you know, like you said, it can be overwhelming and any making any major lifestyle change is overwhelming. So I think it's key for people to read the book, you read your book, go watch the videos. If you want to do this, you know, be invested and, 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 go look at the visuals. Cause I think that helps as well. Uh, but because we are running out of time, we wanted to ask one last question. You know, obviously we've talked about diet, we've talked about sleep and lifestyle. What, uh, do you recommend supplements as well for people? I know that's a general question because there's so many for so many different things. Um, but are there top, maybe top three supplements you might recommend, uh, that people be taking? Yeah, for sure. I'm a huge fan of supplements and my top three would be vitamin D, most people have very, very low vitamin D, plays a huge role. It's a pro-hormone that plays a huge role in our immune system, our brain, um, our cardiovascular health, our, our metabolic health. So vitamin D is important. I'm a fan of omega-3 fatty acids. I think that's a, another vital missing component. So taking some sort of good fish oil or krill oil or something like that can be very helpful. Um, and, uh, for most people, you know, taking some sort of a multivitamin can be helpful. You want to make sure you get a really good brand that has methylated B vitamins. I think that that can be, uh, extremely helpful and, um, you know, taking some antioxidant support. So I'm a huge fan. I use a, a resveratrol. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorites, my body responds really well to that. And I'll cycle that sometimes with, uh, with turmeric, right? So using, um, a good quality turmeric supplement, and then cycling it or using it in combination with resveratrol, really great things to help reduce oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. And then digestive enzymes, I think for a lot of people can be very beneficial. Um, digestive enzymes and probiotics for gut health and improving digestion and nutrient absorption. Those are great. Can you give a brand suggestion for probiotics and also for the fish oil? Because those are the two that I find the toughest to get high quality. And there's so many. And there's mm -hmm. so many. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, Nordic Naturals is a really good brand yeah. for fish oil. Yeah, that's what I use. Yeah, they're a great brand for that. And then for uh, probiotics, there's so many good brands out there. Um, I like, uh, there's a brand, uh, Microbiome Labs, Megaspore Biotic. Mm. That's a really That's good mine. one. <laughs> and I also use a lot of the Ancient Nutrition. Uh, they actually have a keto uh, digest, which is a digestive enzyme. It's got a whole bunch of different carminative herbs to help stimulate digestive juice production. And it's got probiotics in it. So that's a great product. Um, and they also have SBO probiotics, which are also very good as well. Good blend with Saccharomyces boulardii, as well as with probiotics, you've got your food based, which is your lactobacillus strains and your bifidobacterium. You've got your uh, beneficial yeast, Saccharomyces boulardii. And then you've got your soil based, which is your bacillus uh, strains of probiotics. And so SBO probiotics is a good one that has all of those uh, in them. And so it's kind of you know, that, that sort of comprehensive probiotic. And then some people just do well on like 
you know, just the food based, for example. So some people might just want lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. And there's brands that have that. I know I have one on my website called ProBioCharge that just has those ones and they do well with that. And, and then if people are on antibiotics, uh, we take them off of those because all of those ones will, will, will die if you're, you know, they're basically the antibiotics will kill them, but you can take high dose of Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a beneficial yeast when people are on antibiotics and that helps prevent against antibiotic resistant bacteria from growing as well as, um, yeast overgrowth and things like that. So Saccharomyces boulardii is a great overall probiotic, but especially when somebody's on antibiotics. And then for some individuals, especially sensitive individuals, I find that oftentimes they do really well on spore-forming um, soil-based probiotics. And so the brand that I usually use with that is Mega Sporebiotic from Microbiome Labs, which is a really good. And that one. would be really good for somebody who has SIBO, right? Oftentimes, you know, every SIBO case is different. And it's like one of the most humbling things as a clinician working with, you know, challenging SIBO cases. But I've seen many people do very well with, yeah, a, a low dose spore forming probiotic, like megasporebiotic mm -hmm. that have, you know, SIBO, histamine intolerance and all kinds of food sensitivities, okay. but not everybody. Okay, great. And Works then, for me. I have SIBO, so yeah. I'm a testimonial for that yeah. one. Mm -hmm. And then one other quick yep. question on the fish oil. Um, are you a fan of algae oil for vegans? Yeah, I think that's great. So Udo's, uh, Udo's oil, which has, it's like a flax base, but then they add in uh, DHA from algae. Yeah, I would, I would recommend that for vegans. Okay, cool. Wonderful. So to, to wrap up here, we'd love to know what you're most excited about in your business right now and if there's anything you, you're excited to promote. You know, I'm excited about so many things in my business. Um, you know, we've got this great keto masterclass where, uh, you know, it's a, a nine part training where I walk people through exactly how to get keto adapted. I mean, it's took me a week to film this. It was very intense, uh, but it was it's such a great product. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited about my book, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, that's coming out that talks about everything we talked about today, but a whole lot more. Um, and it's very, very visually um, lots of graphics in there. It's, it's different than most books. It's all full color, large font, lots of images, over 60 recipes. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then just the day to day, I really love working with my team and we are constantly every week. We're typically publishing two articles on, you know, just some of the most important health topics out there, right? So we're trying to tackle, we listen to our audience. And so our audience will say, you don't have an article on nighttime cramps, right? So then we're like, okay, let's do a deep dive, really research this and understand the best strategies and, and, and things to do to help alleviate nighttime cramps, nighttime leg cramps, right? And things like mm -hmm. that. So we just try to go deep, and, um, you know, really tackle those topics and create the world's best health articles on those. So I'm excited about all those things. I'm also excited that uh, I'm actually going to be starting my podcast actually this year as well. Oh, so it's a new, oh. uh, new venture as well. Oh, great. I'm um, so excited about all those. Well, you're doing such good work and we want to make sure people know the best places to find more of this wonderful information. Um, obviously you've got a YouTube, you've got your website. Where, where would you suggest people go, uh, if they want to look you up right away? Yeah, I would say my website's drjockers.com. So if you like really great visually en enhanced um, 
uh, digital topic, digital content, then go there. If, uh, if you like video, look me up on YouTube, Dr. David Jockers, and then I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. So you can look me up there too. Wonderful. And when is your book coming out? Yeah. That sounds, I, I need that. Yeah, it's actually coming out January 28th. Oh, great. So That soon. is my favorite yep. kind of book. Okay, yeah. perfect. Well, we so hope much. to see you out here when you are promoting your book um, soon in March, you mentioned. So hopefully yeah. we can meet up. Thank you so much for making the time today. This was so much helpful information. Yeah, really Very clear you. on keto now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Jess and Rye. I really appreciate being on your show. It's, it's an honor. You guys are doing really great work helping so many people and just an honor and privilege for me to be on share. Oh, we appreciate that. That yeah, means a lot to us. Isn't Dr. Docker such a wealth of knowledge? We are so grateful to have had that time with him and we hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you enjoyed our mini solo episode. We were going to do it separately, but we have so many pre-recorded interviews that we just wanted to um, include it in this week's as well. So we'd really love to hear how you're handling your quarantine. Feel free to DM us with what you've been up to. And we'd love if you would tag us in your stories with any tips and tricks that you have for surviving these times and we will tag it on our Instagram at solo 2.0 podcast. Um, so we can continue uplifting, inspiring and encouraging others as well. Yes, definitely. And before you go, we would so appreciate it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review so we can keep bringing on guests you want to hear from and grow this amazing community. We'd also encourage you to take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on your Instagram stories at solo 2.0 podcast so we can share it too. Thank you for listening. And remember, even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight. So be patient and kind to yourself and good things will come. See you next time.